when it was set up in the early 80s, its founders wanted it to be not just about celebrating Manchester's great industrial past, but they wanted it to be inspiring the scientists and technologists of the future. Mm. It's got that in its DNA. Everything we do needs to look forwards as well as back. Meet Sally MacDonald, the director at Manchester's Science and Industry Museum. Manchester stands tall in the stories of scientific innovation and technological advances. There's that tiny industrial revolution, the first computer, the Hadron Collider and graphene, for example. Sally has been leading the curation of these Mancunian science and industry stories at the museum since 2014. In that time, she's taken it through some big changes. In fact, when we recorded this interview in her offices, the museum was undergoing renovations for its next new transformation. Her passion for her work is palpable. You'll hear that in this interview. Sally says that for her, it's witnessing the real thing that captures her curiosity, bringing history and learning to life. So I wanted to know, how and why do you become the director of such an iconic museum? When the visitors have been homebound during the pandemic, how did Sally plan on showcasing the stories of this city to bring people back to the museum? And how does a museum go about inspiring the next generation of engineers, scientists and innovators? I'm Lisa Morton, the founder of Roland Dransfield PR, and this is We Built This City. Sally, thanks for joining me on We Built This City. Pleasure, lovely to be here. Thank you so much. So you were born in Carlisle, but moved to Withington when you were eight. That's right. And your career took you to London, then serendipity brought you back to Manchester, to what you consider to be your home. So we'll talk about that. So I'm really looking forward to finding out about your connection, your love of the city. So would you say that you're a mank? Definitely. I think I probably started saying I was a mank you know, when I was about nine. (laughs) Um, We travelled around so much when I was little that just settling somewhere felt really good. Yeah, lovely. And so how was growing up in Manchester? It's great. I mean, I still, my best friends are friends I made at primary school and secondary school here. They've moved away, but they're still, they're still, we all feel still like Manx. And when did you discover your passion for history? Oh gosh, Um, that's much later actually. My mum and dad weren't big museum fans or big history fans and school didn't really do history Mm. well primary school didn't anyway um but me and my best friend used to go to the manchester museum to an art class we went there because it was basically approved by our parents as you're like you can go on your own (laughs) aged nine that was quite exciting so we'd go on the bus and and the guys there they taught us to draw but they taught more importantly they taught us to look at stuff and so i had some great saturday mornings mucking about obviously but also really looking at stuff in the museum and I think from then on I I felt museums were were kind of potentially quite fun places Mm. but yeah school history was dull I did do history in secondary school but most of it was I found really boring it was out of books and then I remember we had one lesson it must have been in um when I was quite late on in secondary school and one of my history teachers decided instead of just reading stuff out of books or discussing it, um, we were doing um, the 17th century and the wars with the Dutch. And she said, oh, for this lesson, I'm just going to show you pictures of the art of the time. And that was a revelation because suddenly you were back to original sources and and something visual as Mm -hmm. well. I respond to things that 
that are quite visual. So that really made me think it's the real thing that matters mm. and that's what gets me excited. And I, there was actually another, there was another experience. I've been to um, a museum, it was the Science Museum in London when I was a teen and um, I was in the medical galleries and I saw this incredible object that I didn't know what it was. It was, um, it was like a cast iron teapot, if you can imagine, with a spout pointing downwards and holes in it. I thought, well, you know, what the hell's that? <laughs> and looked, and the label said it was a, a Victorian anti-masturbation device for men. <laughs> and that, you know, that object, and the fact that there wasn't an equivalent for women because women didn't do that kind of thing, um, that I thought that tells you more about Victorian attitudes to sexuality than any book could. So I, I think I was hooked from quite early on. <laughs> I'm just really trying to visualise what that looks You've like. You've got to see it. <laughs> I think it might be quite painful. <laughs> well, very heavy and very cold. <laughs> I love it. But like you say, you know, those objects and it's been able to visualise kind of what happened. And that, as a young person, then that's what hooked you into that yeah. curiosity I yeah suppose. and I, I did archaeology at university wasn't good at it I was I was quite quickly put to pickaxing up hedges rather than doing the kind of fine troweling <laughs> <Yes>. job <laughs> but, uh, but I was I, I did find it fascinating and then uh, shortly after that I got my first voluntary job in a in a museum so that was me getting going on on the path and was that first job was that Manchester um, first one was a bit of volunteering at Bristol because I was at University right. of Bristol and then I came back home to Manchester and did a volunteering at the art gallery and then got a fabulous job on a temporary employment scheme cataloguing the contents of Manchester Town Hall, which is this, obviously, you know, it's this fabulous <laughs> Victorian Gothic building. Um, but there was me and a couple of guys all on this manpower scheme going around cataloguing and photographing all these we were, were supposed to be looking for the important uh, Victorian artifacts in people's offices mm. it was so fascinating we'd go into a different office each day and we'd crawl around underneath <laughs> the furniture and things like that got to know an awful lot of people in the town hall because um, uh, we were a great distraction for them but it was also fascinating again you know taught you to look for what amongst all this modern stuff you were looking for things that might be really valuable oh. and important historically so we did that and that what kind of what do you find that was really interesting is anything that's just out? loads of stuff that was designed by the architect alfred waterhouse so dated from mm. the 1870s and the beard you know somebody would be working at a kind of bashed up old desk and you say this is an architect design piece of furniture it's victorian it's really important mm. um and they go oh wow um, you know, plates, cutlery, incredible stuff. And now the restoration that's going on yeah. at the moment, I can't wait to see what it's going to look like after that. I know, I can't wait. And certainly in the last couple of years as well, it was like when we had the arena attack and we all gathered in yeah. front of the town hall, it was so important. So it's such special. a fulcrum, isn't it, for the it city? Is. And I think over the last couple of years, while it's been boarded up, we've really missed it. And it's a really reassuring building, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I miss the Santa as well. Yes, <laughs> It's not, it's not as good around the back, is no. it? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that'd be amazing. I can't wait because it's such yeah. a beautiful building. Yeah. And so then you moved to London until you came back for your current role at Mosley. So tell me about your achievements there and what you're most proud of. Okay, but before I do, can mm. I just say, I guess I was just reminded that the fact that I was working in this amazing 
Victorian building really opened my eyes to Manchester. Because, mm. you know, when you're growing up somewhere, you not take it for granted, don't you, yeah. as a city? And so I had never really looked at the buildings and stuff before. But I was working at the art gallery, doing this project in the town hall. I got really involved in the Victorian society. And at that stage... And Manchester's really proud of its Victorian architecture now, but it really wasn't then. Going back to the early 80s, they were knocking down buildings that were empty and just they would just become surface car parks. So I got involved in the Victorian Society, which was campaigning to save buildings, and that really connected me with the way the city looks and, and works and with the history of the city in a way that I hadn't really been before and got involved in saving some buildings. So the one that always gives me a a thrill is um, a building called Joshua Hoyle's Warehouse, which is opposite Piccadilly Station Approach. At the time that I was, this must have been the mid-80s, it was completely empty, been empty for ages. It was really at risk of being knocked down, and we managed to get it listed, and it's now the Malmaison. And it's such a lovely building. So, you know, you just think, oh, I'm so pleased to have um, been a part of saving some of that stuff. I'd not realised that was so early on in your career. So that's, as you say, in the 80s, and that building now, I mean, that's one of the first buildings you see when you exactly. kind of arrive it's in Manchester, isn't it? You know? yeah. oh, well done. Um, uh, well, no, I do feel proud <laughs> of that. Um, but it was obviously, it's a team effort. There's lots of people getting involved at that stage because lots of people cared about about yeah. the, the way the place looked. So, yeah, then going to going to London, I went because there were more jobs there mm. and because my the person I was, who would then become my husband, <laughs> was, was, was uh, working there. And just stayed and had kids and various jobs working in different museums. Um, Managed to have the opportunity to set up a new museum in Croydon, which was fantastic. A really go-ahead local council at the time. And worked in, yeah, local authority museums, Geoffrey Museum in East London, which was fabulous. And then University College London, which has loads of amazing collections. I mean, London's fantastic, isn't it? But I never really felt... It was home. Mm. And so when when this job came up and my husband very brilliantly said he'd mind my youngest son who still had a year to go at school, so I was able to, to go for it and come back and we've now relocated back. And it just feels so good to be back mm. in the city. So when you saw that job come up, I mean, was the job itself a dream job or was it the fact that it was the job and it was Manchester? How did, you know, what was the combination? Oh gosh, it was a combination <laughs> of things. Um, so first of all, because I've, I've talked about my passion for buildings, I mean, this is the most incredible, you know, amazing site. First, world's first passenger railway station in the world's first industrial city. It's been called the Stonehenge of the Industrial Revolution, which I really like. Um, So partly it was just like, whoa, amazing to work in a a set of buildings like this. And it still does give me a hit every time Mm. I come into the, onto site. So that was one thing. It's all, it was also to recently become part of the Science Museum group. And that's a group of five museums, of, of which the Science Museum in London is one, and then National Railway Museum, Locomotion in County Durham, Museum in Bradford, National Science and Media Museum. So it's a really important group of museums that's really ambitious, it thinks big. So that was part of it. I just thought that would be fun to be, to be part of that kind of um, group of uh, ambitious national museums. But also just the science and innovation and the potential in Manchester of those stories mm-hmm. and to tell those stories was really exciting. So so it felt like in all sorts of ways, 
The job was a dream job. And then absolutely coming back to Manchester was a dream. I hadn't imagined I'd be able to get the chance. Really? A whole lot of things came together in a very lucky way. Mm-hmm. So I still feel completely blessed. And that was 2014, was yeah. it? Yeah. And how old are your sons then? And how did they feel about coming to Manchester? Because they presumably well, they've been oh, in London. Yeah, 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 lives. yeah. They, well, they didn't come with me, although my younger son did end up in university here. No, they, well, they'd be coming here all their lives mm. to visit family yeah. and things like that. So it was, it was like their second home. I remember before I came for my second interview for the job, I brought them on a kind of spy mission to come and suss the place out with me. And um, uh, they're quite used to being dragged around museums because that's what <laughs> yeah. they'd, they'd had to do. Um, so I said to them, right, OK, off you go. Tell me what you think. And they came back uh, after, I don't know, an hour or so. And they said uh, two things, Mum. First thing is it's not really clear what this museum's about. And the second thing, if this museum is supposed to be like the Science Museum for the Northwest, it's crap. <laughs> so that's like okay that's my benchmark that's what that's what I have to to improve on and I, I don't actually think it's it was or is crap but they could see potential that wasn't met and yeah. absolutely that is the case and I like a before and after mm. too so it does need a lot doing to it I mean I didn't know all the roofs were falling in that's a that was one thing that I'm having to spend a lot of time mm. on but also I think you know there's such incredible stories here and there's so much potential to tell them better that um it feels like there's there's a lot of work still to do and well I was bringing my kids here every single week and pretty much there's, there's 22 months between them so there's a boy and a girl but there was so much here, even in those days, that yeah. they never complained about coming here. So oh. uh, they didn't think it was crap. What they wanted that's, at all. <laughs> that's great to hear. <laughs> we did spend a lot of time in this building. And it is, as you say, it's just a fantastic building. Yeah. And so what do you think, when you had that interview, what do you think got you the job? I mean, what was your pitch to them? I think I had the same... Well, I think the fact that I was a mank was a, was a plus. Mm. The, the museum had had five directors in 10 years and they wanted someone who was going to really care and really stay and they could see that Mm. I would I think also the fact that I'm really ambitious for the site and um you know I remember talking to Sir Richard Lees really early on in my in my time here and and his advice to me was don't think regional don't think national think international and the group thinks like that so we we tour exhibitions internationally we we want everything we do to be of international standard. Um, and that feels like a fitting ambition, level of ambition for the museum. And um, in 2019, 22%, I think, of our visitors were international, which is amazing. Yeah. That was a big increase on when I started. So uh, so I think it was, I think it was that, really. Mm. And the fact that I just couldn't stop talking about it <laughs> you didn't tell me your sons thought it was crap I didn't tell them that I didn't tell them that um I, you know I didn't know them <laughs> could have worked against yeah, exactly. me <laughs> told told my boss since that's fine it's absolutely fine with it he thought so too <laughs> and what have you done in since 2014 what's yeah. what, what kind of journey are you on because obviously there's a lot of building work being done there currently is. so yeah, tell yeah, me yeah, about yeah. that so lots of it lots of the site's sadly shut at the moment because we have to do so much of that Really boring, unsexy stuff like fixing the roofs and the drains before we can do fabulous galleries. But we have opened last year a lovely new exhibition gallery, really gorgeous, um, in the main building. And that um, that kind of sets the standard for what we mm. want to do. And we've had a couple of really great exhibitions in there. Um, Top Secret, which is a collaboration with GCHQ and 
uh, current exhibition, which is nearly closing, um, Cancer Revolution, which is a collaboration with Cancer Research UK. Very, very different exhibitions, of course, and very different audiences, but really each of them sort of um, working to try and... Um, uh, give people a sense of the of the science and technology, not just of the past, but of the of 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 you know the science that's that's giving hope to cancer patients, the things that might that might revolutionise cancer treatment, the fact that you know um, that GCHQ are actively trying to recruit neurodiverse people to do cure coding and cyber, you know all of those things are really important because I guess the thing I didn't mention is the other great thing about this museum was that when it was set up in the early 80s, its founders wanted it to be not just about celebrating Manchester's great industrial past, but they wanted it to be inspiring the scientists and technologists of the future mm. and, interestingly, the artists of the future. So um, it's got that in its DNA. Everything we do needs to look forwards as well as back. Mm. And that's the whole point of it for me, is about building something that's that's a real source of inspiration for your kids, you know, the next generation of young people mm. to come through. You get a real sense of that here. I mean, some museums, and I think a lot of kids are, are turned off by museums, aren't they? Because yeah. they think it's just looking backwards, it's boring yeah. and it's not current, whereas yeah. that's something that's obviously, you know, very, very important to you here, isn't it? It is, yeah. And and I think the fact that, you know, one of the things that the founders did was said, things have got to move. So we've got working machinery. Mm. Um, the Power Hall, which is one of our most iconic galleries, was the first big one to open at the at the site it's closed at the moment because we're having to fix the roof but we're also going to be doing this um completely revamping the displays getting these engines working again um and um and the really brilliant thing is um whereas we used to power them all by via this giant gas boiler we're going to be doing it via a ground source heat pump so we'll be telling a story not just about the men and women who use those engines in the 19th and early 20th century, but also about green energy mm. and the skills that you need, um, and uh, you know, technical skills that, that the city needs going forward. So um, it's, it's lovely because the, um, the mechanical and electrical engineer, who's the lead engineer on that project, he said, I wouldn't be an engineer without that gallery. So it inspired him when he was a kid to That's take amazing. up the career he's got. And you just, it's stories like that that, that make you realise, you know, you can do something important you might never see it you might never see the results of it but you yeah. know it's inspiring people yeah definitely it's like dr marilyn comrie she was telling me that she has got people who are working on that team of, of race cars and they, they have no idea that the skills that they're learning so if you'd actually yeah. said to them you know we're going to teach you how to change a battery or be an expert in this they just would be turned of off course. but well, she calls it as a we're a city region of tinkerers, tinkerers yeah which is amazing isn't it absolutely really? it is and in fact, her son, Niall, mm. is on our advisory board for our science festival because we run the science festival oh, each year. Right. And he's absolutely personifies, yeah. like, I, you know, I'll get involved in anything. You know, we can change the world. Yeah. You know, such such an inspirational young man. He, he really is. And, um, and that's an example of how the city is so connected, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, really it's, is. it's incredible. And obviously Manchester's got like massively ambitious carbon neutral targets. And currently we're saying that the city doesn't even have the skills yet in order to reach yeah. that. So that, again, you're saying you're creating a sustainable future in that respect. Yeah, mm. I mean, demonstrating you can have a net 
carbon zero historic estate mm. that's a really big deal yes. for us because obviously so much of our housing stock and our buildings are historic mm. you know they're not they're not new you can't start from scratch so we've got to be developing retrofitting skills mm. you know at a rate of knots yeah. um, for the job we've got to do so we're trying to kind of demonstrate to the I guess to the to the wider historic building sector that uh, some of the challenges that we've got, we've certainly got got those, but also, you know, it's, it's not too difficult. Mm, no, absolutely. And we're sitting here, aren't we? I mean, we're next to a bonded warehouse where we had our office three years and then oh. we were in El Granada Studios. Yeah. And the rate of change here is incredible, isn't it? It but, is. The city's just... Yeah just keeps reinventing itself yeah. doesn't it yeah. um and that's the other th- exciting thing there's so many about this job <laughs> is that you know for a long time it was kind of the museum was sort of sat out on its own um mm. with a wall around it and one of the things we want to do is open it up so that people can come in you know might not necessarily come into the museum but they can walk across and maybe grab a coffee yeah. and and just enjoy some of the the spaces and the buildings yeah. So yeah, it's so exciting. This this area is changing it so fast. And your team, the cafe downstairs, are amazing. Like used to get because I've got a coffee every single morning from the team oh, before I came into the office. Didn't know. And they were so lovely. And I used oh. to get the odd freebie as well because Excellent. I just choose to sit and chat. So yeah, this it's a, it's a great place to, to <laughs> that, come into. That's, that's good news. I didn't know. <laughs> good that. feedback for you there. <laughs> um, and it's interesting you talk about retrofitting buildings and your involvement in the Victorian Society because. When I came back to Manchester after university, my second job was in a, a small PR company. We did lots and lots of property development, real estate. Oh. And I remember the Victorian Society being the bane of the lives of the developers. Absolutely. And we used to have to deal as a PR exec then. Yeah. It was to make sure that we were in terms of those planning applications. But now it's an open door, isn't it? I mean, it's a yeah. totally different view now. And yeah. if I think about the way that Roland Dransville has been involved in helping to build the city. Yes. It's a completely different, we really respect those buildings, those spaces now, yeah. don't we? You've got to do right by them, yeah. you know? And the most important thing is they get reused, yeah. actually. So in the past, the Victorian Society and other historic societies have been, I think, over-cautious. Mm. Um, but Manchester's great, I think, in the way that it just says, let's get these buildings back mm. into use and, and be creative, because mm. you can always find a way. And it's a, just a gorgeous city, isn't it? Yeah, it really <laughs> is. It's an really echo chamber, is. but it's so amazing. <laughs> Um, talking about inspiring young people, post-COVID, we're doing some work with Manchester City Council and it's a really important project called Our Year. And that's about putting the needs of young people at the heart of what we do now. So how do we encourage young Greater Mancunians to both believe that these spaces are their spaces and to help them pursue careers in science and technology, which, you know, we've, we've acknowledged that might be seen as boring and not current, not cool. Exactly. And also some of the careers that exist parents and teachers have got no idea that they do exist and yeah. um, we've done work with young people at, at school just on the range of careers in the media for example which is obviously a huge area mm. for Manchester and the teachers um, that came with those school groups had their eyes opened because they didn't realize there was such a range of careers involved in the in broadcast media so I think partly it's just about having real people role models mm. coming and talking about their jobs so we do loads with STEM ambassadors so they're volunteers who are working in science technology engineering in maths in the day jobs or or they're maybe the students or maybe they're retired and they go to schools and support teachers by either they might be an ex- and, you know, supporting an experiment or it might be a career session or something. But it's having those 
usually not, you know, they're usually in the 20s and 30s. Mm. Uh, they might be working for some of the companies in Manchester, but coming and just talking about their jobs and realising that young people being able to see examples of people who were like them, who yeah. were, who've entered this world that sounds really exciting. Um, so I think a lot of it is about just creating a safe space where where people can interact with scientists, researchers, technicians, and realise they're not all geeks in lab coats, yeah. you know, and that girls can become engineers and make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is about the... It's about the parents seeing it as well, because we know that parents have such an influence on on young people um, when they're making career choices. I can remember when my son told me he wanted to be a computer animator. First of all, I laughed and said, that's not a job. It is. (laughs) (laughs) It was then and it obviously is now. But also he said he wanted to do fine art and maths at um, at A-level. And I just said, oh. You know, that's not, that's a very unusual combination. I wouldn't do that. Turns out those are exactly the, the skills you need. He's a successful computer animator now. But did I know that? No. Yeah. Did his teachers know that? No. I mean, mercifully, he followed his dream. But I was no help to him. And nobody was there to kind of to, to show that path. So yeah. I think this museum's got a real role to play in kind of lighting up some of those pathways absolutely and what kind of age groups you obviously I mean we see the walking crocodiles the little kids in the high visit <laughs> yes. it's so cute every day what's the main demographic in terms of young people who come in is it every age it's every yeah. age yeah I think you've got to start young with some yeah. of that stuff people tend to start at sort of yeah. GCSE level I think that's too late yeah. so I I think we did a careers fair for or we're part of doing a careers fair for old and primary schools not so long ago and I just think that's when you probably need to start but yeah most of our young people in school groups are coming or or play groups they're coming at the kind of key stage one key stage two key stage three tend not to get so many coming later on because of the pressure of of what they're doing at school which is a shame and definitely after COVID, I mean, I was, Beth Craig was telling me that Manchester school kids lost 90 million school days in, oh God, in that's lockdown. Just tragic. Yeah. I didn't know that figure. Yeah. We were asked by Greater Manchester to lead the STEM reboot last year, which was involved getting packs out to a lot of schools mm-hmm. and um, community groups, food banks, just recognising the digital divide and the fact that so many kids don't yeah. don't have access to a, a laptop or, or even a smartphone necessarily. Mm. So trying to re-engage kids and parents with learning. But, I mean, it, albeit it was a great initiative, it's a drop in the ocean. Yeah, yeah it is. But you're doing your bit, aren't yeah. you? Like, and, yeah, and that's no, what we, we saw that's, in Manchester that's absolutely. massively. And that's one of the things about Manchester again yeah. is it pulls together. Yeah. I didn't know you'd done that, but that absolutely, because... We were involved in United City um, and what we were saying about working from work after that first lockdown, people didn't come back into the city. You've got young kids who, you know, as you say, don't have laptops, don't have Wi-Fi, yeah. you know, they're working in the bedroom in not great no. um, environments. So it's really important to have that mentorship in the workplace and support where it's it a leveller, is. isn't it? So And actually, I must have been really delighted by the return of schools to doing museum visits. Yeah. I, I sincerely thought they'd be trying to catch up so much they wouldn't bring the kids right. out. And that's not been the case. Mm. I think they've recognised that for their well-being and for their learning, yeah. that actually they need to get out. Definitely. It's that inspiration piece. I mentor a young female student um, in a school in Salford and she's just turned 14 and the lack of engagement is worse post-COVID kids not turning into school and absenteeism because they're not inspired so I think it's brilliant to get them out and and you know into places like this 
obviously the museum is a an icon I suppose in the city and it's a very important institution you're its guardian so how do you feel about that responsibility and and what values would you say that mostly represents oh both proud and scared you know because <laughs> yeah. it is a huge responsibility yeah. it really is I guess what I hope people would feel that it is it is accessible it is the sort of place kids mm. can run around and scream and no one's going to tell you off mm. it is really friendly I mean I know we get great feedback from our team so those are the I think the the most important thing is we're a, a safe space and we're a fun space mm. and that the learning that we could provide here is enjoyable and not not too heavy because um, that's when museums get boring is if mm. they try to become more like schools. Yes, yeah, definitely. And what would you say values have been important to you and has anybody in your life that's influenced the way you show up? Yeah, um, well, my mum and dad were amazing, despite not being museum people, <laughs> they were amazing <laughs> um, and really different different people. I guess from them, fairness was really important to both of them and a sense of responsibility. My mum was very religious, my dad was an atheist, but they both believed that you were here to do a, a job and I was brought up to believe, to realise how lucky I was mm. and that I'd got something to give back. Well, that was a fundamental thing. But, you know, I'm surrounded by inspirational people, most of them younger than me, mm. um, so I'm learning all the time. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> like, you have a job, don't you, where you're just yeah. learning stuff every single day. Yeah. So that kind of value is a bit like our planting trees you'll never see. I feel that's really exactly. what this museum's all about, isn't exactly, it, as well? Exactly, yeah. yeah. That, uh, that really resonated yeah. with me when I read it. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like that. Um, yeah. And so when will you feel that you've done the job and you've... you've... Oh, that's <laughs> a terribly difficult question. I, I know I'm really worried about becoming a kind of bed blocker and never leaving because <laughs> the job will never be done um I think I think I've got a few more years in me yet and I'd like to see I'd like to see a couple more projects really through to completion but but also it's about who you bring on yeah um wanting to hand it on to someone who doesn't look like me as well you right, know yeah hopefully another man yes absolutely <laughs> that'd be nice wouldn't it or somebody that we could adopt exactly was, yeah. exactly someone passionate <laughs> and what would you say has been your proudest moment while you've been here Oh goodness me that is a that is an impossible question. <laughs> I think reopening this second time when it felt like we might not have to close again yeah. that was that felt important. It's been so awful mm. the last couple of years and so dismal. So being able to open and being able to open with a, li- a lovely new gallery that yeah. felt like ta da. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And have you got people in the team that you can see that share the values of the museum or your values that you think they will be the future? For for sure, for sure. And actually, one of the things about the reputation and the love that people have for this place is that just about everybody who works here sort of wanted to work here to start with. You know, they kind of knew that. So you've got this incredible um, gift when you're recruiting that people people love the place already, Mm. which is, again, it's a a precious thing. Mm. What would you say in terms of legacy or heritage? What are you trying to create here at the museum? And for you, what do you want your legacy to be? I think it's the same, really. It's a, another generation of Manx who believe they can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So we've just got a quick fire here for you then, Sally. So um, what do you think is the most important science to have come out of Manchester? Oh, God, you keep asking me these really (laughs) hard questions. Um, I'm going to go with a bit of a risk here as opposed to something that has already come. It's, It's more of a kind of emerging thing, and that's 
graphene, this amazing new 2D material which can be added to all sorts of things. And we don't really know what mm. the um, what how it's going to change our lives, but it absolutely is, whether that's mixing it with concrete so that you've got a conductive house that doesn't need wiring or a house that doesn't need aircon because it, it can cool itself or a membrane that you could sieve a muddy puddle and get drinking water. I think graphene's my, uh, my top <laughs> <Yeah>. tip. <laughs> it sounds like I need to do more research. That's absolutely incredible. And which Mancunians have made the most significant impact to Manchester's industrial heritage? I'm going to say Tom Bloxham of Urban Splash because I've seen him do do this incredible kind of rapid fire, 360 slides of buildings yeah. that he's worked on, obviously not all in Manchester, but the number of um, of beautiful derelict buildings he's brought back mm. into use and the spirit that that organisation brings to development and the, the kind of love that, that, that they bring, that, that's, that's inspiration. Yeah. He changed the attitude of so many different people, didn't developers, yeah. didn't he? And he, he kind of led, and, he, and he's so responsible, I think, for the way our city's turned out since the uh, late eighties, for sure. Yeah. What do you order at the chipping? Chips and gravy. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes some mushy peas. <laughs> and I know you like getting outdoors, even when it's raining. So, and um, that's quite a lot here, obviously. So, where do you like to go in Manchester when you just need to be inspired or get off grid? Oh gosh, I like walking along canals. That's a special thing for mm. me. So, any canal will do yeah. for that. Went to Prestwich yesterday. Never, not been there since I was growing up in yeah. Manchester. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, it's really so changed. green yeah. as well. Yeah. I hadn't realised how many parks there were. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, there's so much for me to still rediscover because you know when you're growing up somewhere. You go to the places you go. You yeah. don't. You don't really learn about the city. Yeah. Well, lockdown was an eye opener for me because I live in Sale and and I've, I can oh, get to. Yeah. I mean, they've got the canal and I can get onto the river yeah, and then the water me parks. Too. I mean, water you just got so lovely. much water. It was lovely. How would you describe Manchester to somebody who's not been here? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, Time Out says it's the uh, it's the third best city on the planet, don't, don't they? Um, I'd say that? I'd say it was the first best I city agree. on the planet. Um, but I, I was very pleased. London was thirteen. <laughs> was it? I yes. didn't go that far down. I know we're after Amsterdam and San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> and and what do you miss most about Manchester when you're away? Ah, oh, the people. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's the fact that, that people, complete strangers, will say hello to you in the street, mm. or better still, take the piss out of you. Mm. It's a city that doesn't <laughs> take itself too seriously. <laughs> That's so true. And what would you say to anybody who perhaps, you know, maybe a young person who doesn't know about science and technology, how would you encourage them to kind of look at that and the opportunities uh, that surround it? Yeah, I suppose I'd just... I'd just want to put them in front of a whole load of different people who look different yeah. Yeah. who are who are already involved in that field and who, who they could relate to mm. um but you know it's i think the i think covid's taught us about the importance of science in our lives and you know a lot of us care more about it than we did yeah. but it's just revealing where the science is because people don't see it otherwise it's so true and I think it's just to get let's get them in in this building because yeah. it's amazing so when I walked in here I've not been in for a long time it just oh. took me straight back to my kids doing exactly what you just oh. said running around screaming and, and uh, pointing at things so yeah. thank you so much for joining me on We Built the City and it's been fascinating to talk about your journey and and how you've been building one of Manchester's most important cultural institutions um so good luck with everything that's to come and thank you for helping us to build the city thank you so much thanks Sally 
Sally MacDonald built this city by taking the innovation of Manchester around the world, by looking for hidden gems in the town hall, and by creating another generation of Manx who believe they can do anything. Sally mentioned Tom Bloxham as one of her inspirational Manx, and you can listen back to my conversation with Tom from last year. He's Manx 32 in the We Built the City feed. We Built the City will be back on the 27th of April with Scott Thomas, Director of Social PR and Food for Thoughts. And if you want to find out more about how Roland Dransfield can help you drive your values and create relationships that build your business success, then head over to rdpr.co.uk or you can find us on Instagram at Roland Dransfield or Twitter at rdprtweets. Or feel free to give us a call at the office on the same number we've had for 25 years on 0161 236 1122. In the meantime, don't forget to rate, review and follow We Built This City. Thank you. Thank you.